You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Can we give the Lord a great round of applause? Come on. Why don't you thank the band as well? They've been fantastic today. Thank you so much. Bless you. Bless you. You may take your seats if you haven't already done so. It is absolutely wonderful to be here um, uh, in that final song. I had to sit down and compose myself and think, if I don't compose myself, I'll not be able to preach here. So isn't it wonderful to worship together? You know, thank God for online. Thank God for technology. There's just something about being in the room, right? Come on, is that true? There's just something about being together which is wonderful. And that's not in any way to devalue our experience online. Thank God for it. And thank God that everyone who's joining us online is able to engage with this service. But there's just something wonderful about being in the room and uh, experiencing worship together and lifting up his name. Well, it's my joy to share the word of God. Pastor Martin, Esther, thank you so much again for the invitation. I love coming here. I love being amongst friends and family, and it is my absolute joy to share the Word of God with you this morning. And uh, I, I want to take a reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible with you and you want to follow a short reading with me, why don't you grab that, whether that's on your phone or your tablet, or like me, you've got like an old-fashioned hard copy here. Um, why don't you grab your Bible? And uh, we're going to read a beautiful, beautiful passage together. It's written by a man called Paul. Paul is writing to a church a bit like ours here in CLM Commentary, except it's in Corinth. But it's a church he helped plant about half a dozen years before the writing of this letter that we call 1 Corinthians in the Bible. And this church is now growing up. They're they're starting to grapple with some of the issues of community. Paul is having to challenge them. If you read the letter to the the Corinthians, the first one, my goodness, there's some really edgy issues he's having to take on. Why? Because they're growing in their maturity in Jesus and and community is never easy. Community, even Jesus-centric community is challenging. And so Paul's having to help them. But before he gets into the hard stuff, Before he really has to confront them on some stuff, he lays this letter up in the most beautiful introduction. And we're going to read this introduction together uh, from verse 1 down to about verse 9. And it says these beautiful words. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, what a great name, to the church of God in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. I love that. God 
who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. That's our theme this morning. And I think if ever we needed to be reminded of this characteristic, an attribute of the character of God, that God is faithful, or quite literally, as it would read in the text, faithful is God. Actually, it's right now. We need to be reminded that the God we serve, the one we've been singing about today, the one we've been worshiping, he's not just all powerful. He's not just almighty. He's not just the savior. He's not just the one who can do the impossible. But Paul declares he is faithful. And that's an amazing idea. It's one thing to have all this great power, but actually that power is directed to us through his faithfulness. He's not just all-powerful, he's faithful. He's not just merciful, he's faithful. He's not just compassionate, he's faithful. One of the greatest statements in the Bible, in fact, it occurs in the first time in Exodus chapter 34. It's a statement of God himself. And God declares of himself that he is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding, love that word, abounding, in loving kindness and faithfulness. Wow. Thank God we serve a God who's not just all powerful, but who is abounding in loving kindness. He is abounding in faithfulness. And Paul wants this young Christian community to understand this, that the God they serve is a faithful God. And I love this idea. Faithful is God. What does faithfulness mean here in this context? Well, the simplest way to define it is that the God we're speaking about is worthy of our belief. He's worthy of our trust and he's worthy of our confidence. Now, why? Why is he? Because his faithfulness says this. He's the God who will be because he's the God who's been. All right, there's a fantastic idea in the Bible. In fact, I was reading it this, this, this week in my daily devotions. It says of Jesus, he is, he was, and he is to come. And you get this idea that, that whatever our understanding of the Lord is through the revelation of Scripture, that revelation never changes. He's the God who is today. He's the God who's been, and he's the God who will be. So we can have a confidence in him, we can have belief in him. We can have trust in him because he is. Amen? We can have our confidence and belief and trust in him because what he has promised, he does. He remains constant to the promises he makes and to the words that he speaks. And the Bible declares that he is faithful in this remarkable and wonderful way, that he will never abandon the works of his hands. Come on. He will never, now it may look like he's gone on holiday, but he will never abandon the works of his hands. Paul says he's faithful. Why? Because he's still the same. Why is he faithful? Because his word will be fulfilled. Why is he faithful? Because the commitment he's made to you, Corinthians, the commitment he's made to you, CLM, the commitment he's made to me as an individual, he will not go back on. He will remain relentlessly committed to this idea. Paul is not just conveying God is faithful, but he's saying because of that faithfulness to the Corinthians, you can have supreme confidence in this God. Whatever's going on around you, 
He is faithful. Whatever is or isn't happening, he is faithful. Whatever you can see or can't see, he is faithful. He remains faithful to you. And ladies and gentlemen, followers of Jesus here in this room and online, that's a remarkable idea. Because we often think of us being faithful to God. John Andrews has got to be faithful to God. I, I mean, that's, that's an idea all the way through the scriptures. But what a remarkable idea that I woke up this morning in my hotel room knowing that the creator of the universe was faithful to someone like me. Now, I live with me. I know what me is like. I know what I'm capable of. I know what goes on inside me. And yet he says to me, I am faithful to you. Even in the moments when you're wobbling and shaking and aren't sure, I will be faithful to you. What is an amazing idea. It's, an incre it's a mind-blowing idea. And even in the moments when I'm not faithful. Now, we're not encouraging us to be not faithful. But in the moments when I'm not faithful, he doesn't budge. That's such good news. It's better news than sometimes we're given that credit for in our own journey. And I think deep down many of us struggle to believe that, that he really is relentlessly committed to us. And Paul makes this climactic statement in his introduction, faithful is God, but he doesn't just land that statement in verse nine. I don't know if you noticed, Paul brilliantly, he's just a clever man. Paul builds an argument towards, even though he's writing a normal introduction to a letter, it's just filled with incredible thought process. And Paul is building a fantastic step towards this conclusion. He said a number of things in the introduction that make verse 9 a natural climactic moment. God is faithful. That's the big, that's the big ending of this introduction. But he wants us to understand his faithfulness through three dynamic ideas that he's given us in the introduction. And I want to share those with you to encourage you for a few moments this morning. First of all, Paul wants us to understand that his faithfulness, the faithfulness of the Lord, must be understood in the light of his grace. Now, this is the Grace Auditorium. Great name for a room when we're meeting in here. Here's what Paul says, verse 4. I always thank God for you because of his grace given to you. And note that. Look, look at how Paul's phrasing that. He's saying, I'm thanking God for you for the grace he has given to you. Because Paul understood something, that without this grace, we have no chance. No matter how brilliant we are, talented we are, resilient we are, without this grace, none of us even get a chance to get in the door. And so Paul says, I always thank God for you because of the grace given you in what? In Christ Jesus. It's not just grace, it's the grace that comes to us through Jesus Christ. In our worship, in our confession, in our lives, we cannot uh, detract or take out or subtract Jesus Christ from the grace conversation. His grace has come to us through Jesus Christ. And I love this. And some of you will know this, so please forgive me if you do. The idea of grace here, beautiful word, it points to two dynamic ideas at the heart of this word. Number one, it's the generosity of God given to us when we don't deserve it. 
Now that's a hard one for humans. Because we humans, even religious humans, like to feel we've contributed to, to our current status. That somehow I've done something to earn this. But no, no, this idea of grace says, whatever you've received from God, you did not deserve it. Wow. That's why I get emotional worshiping. Because I don't deserve it. People say nice things about me. But I don't deserve any of this. I didn't deserve it. When he walked into my life as an eight-year-old boy, I didn't deserve any of that. It's his grace is undeserved. But here's the second amazing idea about this word grace. It's unconditional. Now here's what unconditional means. No conditions. It's not, I'll give you my grace if. Or I'll give you my grace and. Or I'll give you my grace but. Let me just take you to the small print at the bottom of the page. There's no small print. There's no catch. There's no, oh, did you read the terms and conditions before you signed this agreement? No, no, no. It's the grace is given freely, generously to each one of us. We are not here today, Paul says, because we made it, we did it, we achieved it. We're here today, he says, because of the grace given to you in Christ Jesus. And when that becomes a revelation to us, it is a game changer. Everything changes because you realize this has nothing to do with me, my ability, or my strength. It has everything to do with his unconditional generosity and something that in a thousand lives I could never have deserved. Oh, come on. If that sinks in, game changer. If that sinks in, the worship team will never have to urge you to worship again. Why? Because you realize I'm here because of undeserved, unconditional generosity. Wow. Now here's Paul's argument. It's really simple. Why would God lavish you with his undeserved, unconditional generosity and then not remain faithful to you? Why would he put all that investment in at the front end and then just like leave you to it? Paul is saying God is faithful, but the reason he's faithful is because at the front end of this story, he has lavished his grace on you. He is faithful to those he has sought and bought. Come on. He's not faithful to you because you're, you're sort of, you know, your personality type. He's not faithful to me because of my educational standard. He's faithful to me because he has sought me and bought me. So some of you will know uh, we own sausage dogs, pepperoni, the boy sausage dog, and salami, the girl sausage dog. We bought salami not far from here a number of years ago. And I remember going to buy salami. We'd already got pepperoni. Uh, and we went into the home of the seller. And I remember her lifting up the, the sort of the blanket over the whelping cage where all these puppies were, about a dozen puppies. And the puppies went bananas when they saw these humans. They all scrambling to try and get out of the cage. And uh, it was a bit of a moment. I wasn't feeling very well, actually. And, uh, and so, so my wife picked up the first one that was handed to her. And for some reason or another, she went, no, that's not the one. And then she picked up the second one. And the second one is the one we have, salami. Now, whether it was the oversized ears, 
that she's never grown into, has to be said. We thought she'd grow into those. Uh, or whether it was that she's got a little white fleck in her eye. Something just, I, I don't know what it was, but when Dawn picked up the puppy, Salami put her head on Dawn's shoulder. i never forget, and Dawn turned to me and said, this is the one. I said, well, look at all these other dogs. You want to have a look? No, no, this is the one. Are you sure? This is the one. And so I parted with the cash. She wasn't cheap, Salami, the sausage dog. And so we, 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 we bought this dog. Now on Friday, last Friday just gone, we thought we'd lost Salami Sausage Dog. We took her out and she disappeared into a five-acre field of rapeseed. Now, rapeseed is, if you've ever driven in a country, it's like a yellow flower, smells quite pungent. When the yellow flower disappears, it gets ready for harvesting and it's used for like cooking oil and stuff like that. But the rapeseed grows in to itself. So it, it becomes a tangled mess. Trying to get through a field of rapeseed is like trying to get through a jungle. It's really, really difficult. Salami saw a rabbit, boom, off she goes. That was at three o'clock-ish, at half past six. She's still in the field, screaming, barking. We can't get her. And we're desperate. And we even put it on Facebook at the local, local Facebook. And people came out from the village to help us try and find this dog. And uh, she, she went from being excited to being in distress. She couldn't get out. You imagine a little sausage dog in a five-acre field of rapeseed. I mean, it's, just, it's like being in a jungle. She just couldn't find her way out. And she was very, very distressed. And I remember running down. I went for a drink, came back down, put all my gear on so I could climb into this, this field. And I heard her bark and she was barking distressed. Uh, and a gentleman was, was waiting there and he was trying to get a hold of her. She was right at the edge of the field. But because she didn't recognize him, she was barking a distressed bark. And I remember getting there and I said, hold on, I'll, I'll get it. I said, salami, salami, here. And I could see the sort of rapeseed move a little bit and she moved towards me and I got down into the field so I could see underneath and just see into the ground and there she was crawling towards me and she came out. She was absolutely exhausted. And she crawled into my arms. She literally tucked her head just there. People say, were you cross with her? No. I was relieved. People say, it's just a dog. No, no. She's not just a dog. She's my dog. We sought her. We bought her. We picked her. We owned her. We were not going to abandon her to that field. And Donna had literally set out, if it takes us all night, we're going to find this dog. Four hours we circled that field shouting, Salami, Salami. People looking at us like we were bonkers. We, we, sir, Why? Because this dog is not just any dog. We bought this dog. We sought this dog. We found this dog. This dog is special to us. Maybe just a dog to you, but she's sal to us. A member of our family. Why would we go to all that trouble to invest in a puppy dog and then just abandon it in the field? Why would God invest in you through Jesus Christ and just abandon you? He is faithful. He will not abandon the work of his hands. And there are moments when it'll feel like we're being abandoned, but you are not abandoned. He is with you. Does that make sense? So Paul says God is faithful, but see his faithfulness through the light of his grace. Secondly and quickly, see his faithfulness through the light of his goodness. Look at this, verse five. For in him you have been enriched in every way. Love that. You've been made 
rich in every way. And in fact, he even tells us the ways we've been made rich. Verse 5, you've been enriched in your speaking. You've been enriched in your knowledge, verse 5. And in verse 7, you do not lack any spiritual gift. Actually, the strict translation of that is you do not lack any grace gift gift given by God. And so we got this beautiful idea that, that not only is God faithful, but, but actually God has invested into us and has made us, the Christian community generally, and you as an individual follower of Jesus, he has made us rich. Now, not rich in a broken secular way necessarily of, of lots of money and big houses and flash cars. That, that may be your experience, but that's not the rich Paul is talking about here. Paul is talking about a rich that comes from grace. You've been made rich in speech. You've been made rich in knowledge. You've been made rich with every spiritual or grace gift that you need. Speech, knowledge, gift. In other words, Paul is saying, God has given you the Corinthian community and God has given you as individuals everything you need for this journey. He's invested into you. I love that idea. And Paul's then logical conclusion is really simple. Why would God, who has gone to all that trouble, to invest in your speech, to invest in your knowledge, and to invest in you every good gift, why would he then abandon you? It doesn't make sense. Paul says he's faithful, but he's not just faithful as a statement. He's faithful because he has invested his goodness into us, and we have been made rich. My youngest daughter's on the front row here. She's with me for today. It's wonderful to have her. And she's been working for the last two years at Utoxeter and AOG Church in Utoxeter. And the first year she went there, she went as an intern. Fantastic opportunity. And, uh, and so we were really excited. Sent her off at the age of 18, left home, and, uh, and off she went. And, and has had an amazing time. The Lord has blessed her in the most incredible way. But, but listen, when she, when she turned 18 and went off to Utoxeter, we didn't just like show her to the door and say goodbye. It's been nice having you at home for 18 years. Now go, yea, verily, into the world. But when we sent her, we equipped her. Quite literally, when she was born, I opened a bank account. And even though we didn't have much money, every single week I ensured that I put something into that account for her so that when she was 18, she would have a little bit of money. Now, it wasn't millions of pounds, but it was a nice wee pot of money. Well, so when she went off to Utoxer, she had her nice little pot of money there because they weren't paying her and she had to cover all her own expenses. And then when she went, we took her to Utoxer. We didn't just say, get there on your own. We took her. When we got there, we kitted out her flat. We helped her get the flat the way she wanted it. Then her mommy took her shopping and filled her freezer, filled her fridge, and filled her cupboards. And then her dad paid her rent. I'm hoping one day she'll pay us back for all of this. It'll be marvelous. But John, what's the point? The point is this. We haven't just raised children and then go, right, go ahead, go. But when sending her out, we want her to have everything she needs to make that journey successful. We spent 18 years of investment. Why wouldn't we be careful? with the next bit. Come on. It's a lot of investment to just abandon. Is it not? 
And this is, this is Paul's argument. God has put good things into you. Why would he not remain faithful to that? Here's the last idea. He encourages to see God's faithfulness through his greatness in the light of his greatness. Verse eight, he says, he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word sure there means fixed, uncertain, and sure. He will keep you. Come on. He will keep you. He will keep you. He hasn't just saved you. He will keep you. He hasn't just redeemed you. He will keep you. He hasn't just blessed you once. He will keep you. He will watch over the work of his hands because he loves you. He cares for you and he wants the best for you. And when we think about the faithfulness of God, we think about the God who starts it and finishes it. We think about the God who is invested and also brings that investment to harvest. We think about the God who is committed to getting us to the end of this journey. And if we want to get to it, he will stick with us till we get to it. Obviously, as a human, we can make a decision. I'm off. I'm going to do my own thing. But, but listen, he is relentlessly committed to helping us get to the end. We can have faith in his faithfulness. Uh, and this has been a massive encouragement to me. I remember six o'clock one morning, Bible in my hand, first coffee of the day, warming me up just before the central heating kicked in. And as, as is my routine, uh, the first sort of ha uh, half an hour to 90 minutes of the day, I'm reading and I'm worshiping and I've got the Bible in my hand. I am going through at that moment, the worst moment of my life. I'm in a dark valley that I can't even begin to understand or explain. And I feel totally useless and broken. I feel like I failed as a father. I failed in ministry. I failed as a follower of Jesus in so many ways. I feel like everything that I thought was certain and sure is no longer certain and sure. And as I'm reading the Bible, as I'm worshiping, there was a thud on the window. And a little bird had flown against our, our patio window. It often happens. If you live near in the country, birds are often flying into your window. Uh, and this little bird, boom, and it really frightened me. And I walked over, and there was this little bird lying on the patio, and it looked dead. And I thought, right, I thought to myself, right, I'll go out and make sure I pick the bird up, because I didn't want a cat to get it or anything like that. So I'll pick it up in a wee minute after I've finished. And I walked away to continue praying, came back, and I noticed the little bird that had looked dead was sort of twitching. And then I walked away and I came back and I noticed the little bird was no longer twitching. He was, or she was sort of up and around, like, like okay, flapping the wings a little bit. And then the third time I came back, something amazing happened. I'm sure the bird shook itself and looked straight at me. I mean, that's what it felt like. I know this sounds weird. And as the bird looked at me, it flew off. And the Holy Spirit said to me as clear as a bell, John, you will fly again. You will fly again. Now listen, that was a word I needed to hear. There was no atmosphere. I wish I had I had Sarah in the band with me. There was no atmosphere. There were no goose pimples. There was no, there was no uh, even community around me. I was just feeling completely on my own and feeling like my world was collapsing around me. And the Lord said to me, you'll fly again. 
Why, why did I fly again? Because I'm strong and tough? No, 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 because he's faithful. He will not abandon the work of his hands. And listen, whatever you're going through, he is faithful to you. He will not abandon you. I'm going to ask the band if you want to come back. We're going to sing an amazing song together. And in this song, I want us to really focus in on the, the faithfulness of God. Paul doesn't just say God's faithful. He doesn't just say God is faithful. So just accept that. He builds the argument to God's faithfulness through his grace. Why would God go to all this trouble to seek you and buy you and pick you and then abandon you? Why would he do that? Come on. If, if a human, broken human, selfish human like me is prepared to go all night in a field to find a dog, what's he prepared to do for you? You're more precious than a sausage dog. You're more precious than the birds of the air. You're more precious than things and cars and mortgages. You're more precious than any of that. Why would he go to all that trouble and then abandon you? Why would he invest into you, put all those gifts inside you? Why would he put all that, that knowledge inside you? Why would he invest into this community and then go, I'm off? It doesn't make sense. And why would he say to you, I can get you to the end of this thing. I have the power and the strength to get you to the end if he didn't. And some of you are feeling like you're in the middle of just weirdness, but he's with you. Some of you are feeling it's not working out the way I want it. He is with you. And the enemy wants you to not only question the faithfulness of God, but to jettison the faithfulness of God and to accept the lie that God has abandoned the works of his hands when he will never do that. Never, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God is the only one who can say never. And it really is never. Come on, stand with me. All my life, you have been faithful. If it wasn't for his faithfulness, I would be dead, I think. If it wasn't for his faithfulness, I certainly wouldn't have the life that I have today. If it wasn't for his faithfulness, I can only shudder at what could be. God is faithful. He is trustworthy. We can lean into him and have our confidence in him. And this morning, I want to pray that something is released in, in this house, but also maybe something is broken in someone. Your circumstances are telling you he's left you. He's abandoned you. He's no longer faithful to you. This is a lie from the enemy. God is faithful, relentlessly faithful. And as we sing in a moment, sing it out. Even if you don't feel like it, sing it. Because you will fly again. You will walk again. God will do His work in you. Lord, I pray that as we stand in this place, as our friends online connect with us, we will have a fresh revelation. You are relentlessly faithful. You will never leave us and you will never forsake us. 
You have lavished your grace on us. You have put your goodness in us. You have committed your greatness to us. We are the works of your hands. We are the image of yourself. We are your people. We are your flock. We are the apple of your eye. And so, Lord, I pray for a fresh revelation this morning that you are a faithful God. May we live in that revelation. May we worship out of that revelation. May we go back into our world today empowered by a revelation. It says, you are faithful, O God. In Jesus' name, amen.